0: How do you mitigate your risk? Montel's forecasting services cover risks from hours ahead to years ahead. We welcome you to hedge your market exposure with our diverse forecasting portfolio. Contact us at sales at for more info and a free trial.
1: Hello, listeners. And welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. Today's pod focuses on one of Europe's largest energy markets. And while a last bastion for coal, it has also witnessed a rapid growth in solar power. There are ambitious plans for offshore wind and also for nuclear. But will Poland manage to wean itself off coal, given the ambitious net zero targets at the EU level? And how will it finance its green energy transition? Helping me, Richard Sverson, to answer these questions is Pavel Shishak, uh, Head of Energy and Climate at INSTRAT, Warsaw-based think tank. So a warm welcome to you, Pavel. I hope I haven't totally um, mispronounced your name.
0: No, no, that's perfect. Thank you very much. Hello.
1: I thought we could start, Pavel, by talking about uh, the renewables in Poland. What's the current status of solar? There's been quite a boom, hasn't there, in, in, in recent months and, and years? Yes, yes, it's
0: perhaps good we're starting from a positive note before <laughs> before going into the the, the coal issues uh, yes solar has been it has been growing fast and last year we we were actually the fourth uh, biggest market in Europe uh, at around 2.5 gigawatts added in 2020 uh, I think this year will probably be uh, more or less the same definitely around two gigawatts uh, and uh, and the outlook for next uh, for the next uh, four or five years is uh, is pretty steady, so the analysts are still forecasting around uh, two gigawatts added per year and placing Poland in the top five of of uh, European countries in terms of solar growth mm. so i think um, this is this is a pretty stable situation fortunately, and perhaps in contrary to the other renewable technologies, but we are seeing some starting to see some problems perhaps coming from the from the very rapid growth one of these is the um, distribution networks um, because we've uh, we've had a lot of growth uh, especially in the prosumer market so small uh, small pv installations in in households and these have actually caused a bit of a problem for distribution network operators just because they feed in so much energy from the houses to the network in areas where the network isn't very robust, let's say. Well, it's just old and, and not really adapted to two-way sort of currents flowing. So so there have been talks to to somewhat limit this growth, at, at least in this area, in the consumer market. And, and the support scheme is therefore changing to s- somehow accommodate that. So we will probably see a bit of a slower pace in, in the small PV sector, but we should see faster pace in the large PV solar farms. So perhaps now around 75% of the PV in Poland is small, is small consumers. We will probably see the this switching. So so solar big solar farms will probably take over at least 50% of this market in the coming years just because the development pipeline is very strong and also because of these uh, these uh, changes in the support schemes.
1: That's very interesting. What's your view here, Pavel? Do you think more should be done on the DSO level to, to strengthen the grids rather than, slowing down this this massive prosumer surge.
0: Yes, the, that's definitely well that would be the preferred option of course because now I guess what the government is trying to do is to put a halt to to the development of solar and that's obviously not great for Poland because the country is already behind in terms of uh, renewable targets and and in general developing renewables so solar is really the only market that is growing and And stopping that is probably not gonna make decision makers in Brussels happy so so, I would say, yes, definitely the better option would be to to push some money towards the d s o s and and strengthen the networks. The problem is, well, this is public money, so it's the solar growth is mostly stimulated by private money, and well, that's good but but nobody will invest in. <laughs> And distribution networks, really, you know, foreign investment, etc. So,
1: it's not easy to
0: fund these investments in,
1: in the networks. Absolutely, but it'd be a shame if this this boom at the household PV level would somehow came to a stop. Um, yeah. And how about you know the utility scale? Is who who's building these kind of large scale solar uh, plants? Is it the domestic utilities, or is it also seeing some foreign investment?
0: It is actually quite a lot of foreign investment. Yes. So I would say it's a mix of both. The Polish utilities were a bit late to the party, I would say. So the first rounds of big solar auctions, I think they were mostly won from developers from Germany, from uh, even from further Western Europe companies like, I don't know, Spanish, etc., now we have actually just recently, Lightsource BP announced two gigawatts of investment in Polish solar farms. So that's quite a huge pipeline. So it's quite a lot of quite a lot of foreign investment. And there's also big, for example, Columbus Energy is a big developer of. Well, they started as a developer of solar for households, and now they're also going into the big solar farm market pretty strongly. And they have a huge expertise and and sort of polish they they know the law very well and the whole situation so so they're very effective here so yeah i would say it's a mix of uh, polish and um and foreign developers but mostly private money i think the utilities uh well they're now starting to build bigger bigger solar plants but it's it's been a bit slow They, they were a bit late to to this whole Investment
1: process. Do the the bigger PV projects? Do they? Is it easier to manage the the grid stability there?
0: Well, it is. It's still a bit of an issue, but the really large solar farms they can actually plug in straight into the TSO's network. All well, the big substations, the the high voltage substations. So it's a bit. It's it's less of an issue, I would say. Usually when you have a 20, maybe 30 megawatt project, 50 megawatt, then you you can already, you would usually just build a couple, probably a couple of kilometers of, of transmission lines, and then you can plug in straight into the high voltage substation. So that's, I guess, easier. If you have projects like maybe one, two megawatt, they would plug into the medium voltage substation, and then that could be potentially an issue, and I, I've heard investors saying that they have problems with getting the the connection permits in some parts of the country, especially perhaps the northeast is not an easy place to invest in solar. Even the even though there's quite a lot of land, free land, and the solar um, conditions are good, but the network conditions are terrible. So. So developing smaller projects there is not
1: very easy and uh, potentially very expensive as well. Yes. How about wind? I mean uh, Poland has some very ambitious plans for offshore wind. Could you could you talk us through some of those, Pavel?
0: Yes, uh, I could. Yes, and offshore is definitely the for some reason the government likes offshore doesn't like onshore wind. The the offshore pipeline is uh, is pretty strong. The idea was to build around 5-6 maybe 7 gigawatts by 2030 which is pretty soon and the projects we already have a couple of projects that are in progress and they they got the um, first round of financing we have a sort of special support scheme for these these first projects so definitely the, the 6 gigawatts should be developed by 2030 they already have connection permits all the paperwork pretty much done and uh, they seem to be on track in terms of the schedule which is of course great Uh, one one issue is the installation port because all these it's a couple hundred turbines that need to be well shipped out uh, to the sea and uh, it's not so easy to do that in, in the port facilities we now have so so we're still waiting for some investments done uh, on the ground in Poland in Gdynia, most probably, and these should allow for the installation of of the uh, of all these turbines. If this gets delayed, there's a risk we will have to ship these turbines from elsewhere, from Germany, for example. So, so that is one thing that might delay the, the the progress. But well, I think I I'm still pre- pretty optimistic in terms of offshore, just because. It is pushed strongly by the government and a lot of state-owned companies are are involved here. So while being honest, of course, their life is easier and they they have strong sort of lobbying power. They should be, it's in their interest to sort of get the government to buy in and, of course, uh, handle all the legal matters that are necessary. So. I think this should be going should be going well. And then in the um, sort of after early 2030s, we should uh, see another round of uh, projects. These will be supported by a, a sort of auction mechanism. And uh, this is now being prepared. And, and already uh, another round of projects is sort of uh, forming. So this could add another five, maybe even up to 10 gigawatts. In the the 30s and and early 40s, so that is that is going well. There's a bit of a controversy because the government wants to sort of prioritize Polish companies, mainly Orlen, PGE. Well, this is definitely gonna cause some hiccups in Brussels because it's sort of it's not very compliant with the EU common market rules. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, but anyways, I think either way. There's a lot of foreign interest in investing in Polish offshore, so I think whether it's the state companies or the foreign companies they will there's gonna be a lot of people that want to to invest in polish offshore so that's that's optimistic I think yeah
1: that's a positive there I mean Pavel, do you then view this growth in in both an offshore wind but also you know if we're talking two gigawatts of solar a year, will this offset? So the closure of, the, of, of Poland's aging uh, coal units? Alone,
0: probably not. At least not according to our forecasts. We haven't touched really on onshore, onshore wind, and that is a bit of a more difficult situation because the onshore wind investments have been blocked since 2016. There's a 10-H rule in, in motion that uh, sort of bans placing turbines around, let's say, two kilometers even from households. And Poland is very uh, sort of, there's quite a lot of small villages everywhere and there's houses everywhere. So it's not easy to find a spot where you can place a wind turbine now. And, And that means we haven't been seeing much growth in the onshore wind market and we won't see it for at least a couple of years. And that's that will mean that there's not enough renewables to well to cover the demand considering the closures of, of coal plants. So um so in our forecasts we've we've written a, quite a few reports on this and, and we've we've done a very comprehensive assessment of the renewable potentials and that these potentials are pretty high in terms of well placement and the social acceptance and economic factors, all of that. So, so the potentials are there. It's the, I guess, the legal situation that's a problem, and the well development pace of these projects, uh, that that is a problem, and that means that we still need some. In 2030, we will definitely need a coal reserve. Well, we will have probably some some newer coal units still running. We need some of the older unit, units to stay. Available, we probably need some gas peakers to handle the peak demand, and we need a lot of renewables so if we keep the p v pace as it is now and we we build the offshore in time according to schedule, that will still not be enough. We need the onshore wind investments to well to cover the cover the demand otherwise we're we're we will be in trouble so Um, That is a
1: missing link here. How likely is a change in the onshore wind law? I mean, that seems to be, it has to come from government circles, but there seems to be some opposition to to onshore wind in particular. Yes,
0: that is a a weird, I would say, situation. Just recently I heard that because the law is there, it's sort of, well, it's not there. It's it's, uh, ready to be passed in parliament. It's just, I guess it doesn't have the political momentum it needs to go through the the parliament but it's actually written and we've seen it and uh, commented on it and it's it, it's ready but sadly i i've just recently heard that um the government is sort of standing down here we're going into this anti eu anti climate narrative which means that there's really no political will at this point to to pass the 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 wind law the the updated wind law so i wouldn't expect this happening this year let's hope for next year especially since this well this bill was sort of linked to the eu funds the Re- recovery and resilience funding so it should be passed but of course the the funding is stalled because well everybody's angry in in brussels uh, at poland so So there's a lot of difficult political chaotic situations happening now, and it's really hard to forecast when this will change. But I definitely wouldn't expect it changing this year, which means the first projects, even if they pass the the bill next year, that the first projects will, you know, will start coming in maybe 2023. And that is that is already a huge delay. It's like seven years of no really no no activity on the onshore wind market
1: i just like to stay with this this spat that poland is currently having with with the eu i mean you mentioned the implications for onshore wind are there other implications i mean uh, are we talking even you know something as dramatic as as a pole exit from from the eu i definitely hope not and it's
0: i guess i don't want to go very deeply into the polish politics because it's depressing (laughs) and (laughs) not not very helpful, I guess. But um, it's definitely going to have an impact on the energy transition. And I I think we can see that already with the wind law we've just talked about. But also, there's, of course, with the funding, because, yeah, as I mentioned, the, the resilience fund, I think that was around maybe 15 billion euros. That's sort of in Brussels, because there's so much controversies uh, around Polish rule of law and LGBT free zones, all of these ridiculous things the Polish government is doing. So, so the money we 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 don't have the money, which of course some of it was supposed to go to to green projects, to renewable investments. So, and it's hard to imagine with this with this anti-EU narrative that the money will will be available for Poland in the near future. So so that's that. There's a couple of state aid situations now being negotiated with the European Commission. And these, uh, I mean, state aid for coal, for coal mines, for uh, coal pl- uh, power plants. And of course, the negotiations around these will be much more difficult with the current uh, sort of political tension so yes, I would say definitely I I wouldn't go into the political discussion and I definitely hope it's not going to happen but but even now the the I would say anti-EU narrative of the Polish government we are we are already seeing some negative consequences for the energy transition the the climate transition and and of course the renewables markets
1: the the EU the tap of the EU funds is being close tight or always closing anyway in terms yes. of the context of this this disagreement or major spats. And this, of course, comes at a time when Poland faces a, a generation gap, a, a supply crunch after 25 due to EU rules on the emissions directive, you know, the 50-50, the 550 rule. But what, what options are the table there? I mean, you know, is gas coming back on the discussion I've even heard talk of nuclear. Yes. Well,
0: the problem with that is the timeline is very short. So the um, capacity market was introduced in well 2018, were, were the first auctions, and then some of the newer power plants got contracts for for up to 15 years. But most of the Polish coal plants could only be supported until 2025, as as you mentioned. So the bottom line is that most of the coal plants are already running at negative operating margins and they are kept alive by the capacity market payments. So they basically just get money for staying alive or being available to the market operator. And these, so these plants are now, again, they they get funding from the capacity market, but by 2025, they will stop getting this funding. And by that time, they won't be able to cover their their sort of fixed costs and they will have negative, even more negative operating margins than today. So all of this means that they will either shut down or they will have to be funded in some other ways. And since it's so soon, it's, well, four years time, really, five years, it's really difficult to, because we're talking here like seven, eight gigawatts of coal plants at least. So... We won't build seven, eight gigawatts of any thermal energy source within five years. We can maybe build, I don't know, one, two uh, gas CCGT projects. Two are in development. That's that's why I mentioned those Ostrowenka and Dolna Odra. That's that's two gigawatts, right? So we have a huge, a huge hole in the electricity mix and uh, well, well, the power balance. In 2025, and of course, nuclear nuclear will not be the solution because, well, it's not going to happen in five years. It's probably not even going to happen in ten years' time. So I would say we we are not in a good uh, position here, and that's why um, that's why the government is planning to propose a new uh, funding scheme for the coal plant. There's a restructuring plan that's being discussed, basically to offload the coal assets on to different state-owned agency that would sort of slowly shut them down uh, but that will require funding to to run these power plants after 2025. So it's a difficult uh, process and very complex uh, proposal so I won't get into the details but basically we really need those onshore wind farms because these are the quickest to build. That's Mm. the really the only thing that can supply power within five years time so that that's why this onshore wind law is so so important and it's
1: the cheapest option as well isn't it but of course, uh, yes but just a final question for you paul you know something that's come very clearly out of the current energy crisis we're seeing not just in europe but across the globe is the the scarcity of gas i mean how, how if poland did decide to build two gas-fired plants uh, to meet some of this shortfall where would it source the gas from? There's certainly not an abundance of it about at the moment. Yes, that's
0: why I think we're seeing a bit of a different angle and a different direction of the gas discussion now. Poland used to be very pro-gas and wanted to build a huge pipeline. I think they're now sort of backing off in here because, of course, now I think 75-80% of the gas is imported most of that from Russia and we don't really want to be reliant on Russia especially with the current situation so so i think actually the gas pipeline will be will be smaller and smaller i would expect maybe the two ccgt projects happening but we've already heard banks and the largest polish banks saying that they don't really want to finance that because they don't see the gas plants being profitable so so I don't think Poland will stay on this pro-gas course uh, as as it planned. I think we're probably steering more towards the nuclear option. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say gas has a very positive outlook at this point.
1: And as you say, the, the nuclear option is also very long term. You know, who knows what will happen in 10, 15 years. Pavel, thank you very much indeed for, for joining the Montel Weekly podcast this week. Thank you very much. So, listeners, you can now follow the podcast on our own Twitter account, aptly named the Montel Weekly Podcast. Please direct message any suggestions, questions, or, you know, let us know if you, if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show. You can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com. Lastly, remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on Montel News. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you, and goodbye.